Well, this morning, uh, I'm fired up because we're going to begin a brand new series together entitled Winning the War Within. And through this study, what we're going to see, we're going to see some interesting things. We're going to see how that God, through science and through Scripture, has created a pathway for us to live the fullness of life that He has ordained for us. How that God through science and scripture. How many know that God is the author and creator of all life? How many know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made? And science and scripture do not have to be in opposition. As a matter of fact, we're going to find out through this study that science and scripture actually work together in order to accomplish and fulfill the plan and the purpose that God has for each and every one of our lives. So look with me in Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 and 17. The apostle Paul uh, makes this statement. He says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. Look at that first point. What is the Apostle Paul trying to tell us? He's basically telling us this, that your flesh and the Spirit war with one another. He says they are contrary one to another. If you're here today and you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you've been saved by His grace, then guess what happens? There is a war that rages on the inside. Has anybody ever experienced that war? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That there is a battle between our flesh and God's Spirit that is now live, live, that now lives within us and has quickened us and brought us to life as we were born again. And there is a war that rages. Flesh against Spirit, contrary to one another, the Bible says, says, so that you are not free. Think about that little phrase, so that you're not free to do the things that you wish. It doesn't mean we can't live the life God's called us to live. It just means we have to understand in order to live the life God's called you to live, you're going to have to work through the conflict and the resistance that your flesh tries to bring against the Spirit of God that is at work in your life. And here's what we're going to understand, that the flesh and the Spirit are at war with one another and the battlefield is in your mind. Now let me just give you a little theological understanding this morning. You are a spirit. How many of you know that today? You're a spirit, which simply means this, you are eternal. Everybody here in this room today, everybody watching online, and every person that has ever been born was born a spirit, which means you are an eternal being. Everybody's going to live forever somewhere. If you're born again, you're going to live forever in heaven with Jesus Christ. If you're not born again and you've rejected the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then the Bible says you're going to live forever also. You're going to live forever in what the Bible calls the lake of fire, which is the second death, where you will be tormented forever and ever, separated from all that is good and all that is God. But everybody you know, when you look them in the eye, recognize something. They are spirit. They are eternal. They are going to live forever somewhere but not only are you a spirit but you are a spirit and your spirit has a soul you have a mind a will and an emotion right you have mind will and emotion that is your soul and you live in a body your body is your earth suit your body is what gives you authority and permission to function on this planet the word was made flesh and dwelt among us because God had to become flesh to reclaim what Adam lost in the flesh and to bring authority and dominion back into the planet so his kingdom could come and his will could be done on earth through our lives because we have now through Christ been born again 
And so you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, right? And what I want you to see is simply this. The Bible says this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. It says, now may the God of peace make you holy. The King James word for make you holy is to sanctify you. May the God of peace make you holy or sanctify you in every way. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes Again, God wants to sanctify you. God wants to set you apart. God wants to make you holy. When you got born again, when you accepted Jesus Christ, you were sanctified, made holy in the Spirit, right? You were born again. Anybody attest to that today? Something supernatural happened on the inside of you. You weren't who you used to be. You looked the same. You thought the same. You walked the same. You smelled the same, but you weren't the same. Come on, somebody. You got born again. Your spirit was sanctified. It was made holy. And then your soul, your mind, will, and emotions are being sanctified. The Bible calls it, says it, that we have to renew our minds. We're going to talk about that. This whole series is really going to be on that process of winning the war within as we begin to renew our minds with the Word and the truth of Scripture. So you are, your spirit was sanctified when you were born again. Your soul, your mind, will, and emotions are being sanctified, made holy as you renew your mind. And your body will one day be sanctified at the second coming of Jesus Christ or at the rapture of the church when the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up in the moment of twinkling of eye and we will be changed right corruption will put on incorruption mortality will put on immortality and one day you're gonna have a glorified body come on somebody you're gonna have a glorified body that's gonna be amazing beyond anything you ever asked or imagined about yourself just think about the Avengers, and that's a little picture of what your body's going to look like. They just don't die, right? Here's the realization. God wants to sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit has been sanctified through salvation. Your body will be sanctified after death or the return of Christ, and your soul right now is in process. And this is where the battle rages. This is where the battle rages. Now, let me just give you a couple thoughts right here. So the scripture uses really three words to describe our soul. It uses the word mind, heart, and soul. When the Bible talks about your mind or your heart, it's really talking about your soul. It's talking about your mind, will, and emotions. You are a spirit and you have a soul and you live in a body. So when the Bible says to be renewed in your mind, it's talking about that soulless realm. When the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. How many know when he says believe in your heart, he's not talking about your blood pumping organ? This, this is your natural heart, but that's not what he's talking about. So when you read your Bible and you read the word heart, you read the word mind, or you read the word soul, all three of those things are typically not not 100%, but most of the time, they're speaking of that soulless realm, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so all of a sudden, some of you right now, Scripture's starting to make a little bit more sense to you because you're trying to figure out how in the world you're supposed to believe in your heart. And you're like, man, I don't even know if my heart believes anything. Come on, somebody. So all of a sudden, we begin to recognize some truths from the Scripture. So I want to try to do something during this study, and uh, y'all can bear with me. But what I want to try to do through this study is I want to use the word mind to describe our soul, our heart, 
So I'm going to try to use that word as consistent as I can. The truth is we interchange those words in Christianity so much that it's really almost hard. I have to be very on purpose not to interchange those words. But I'm going to try my best to use the word mind so we can just get a clear picture of what we're talking about, that we have to be renewed in our mind, that soulless realm, which is our mind, will, and emotions. Look with me in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says this. It says those who are dominated or controlled by their sinful nature think, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature, which is your flesh or your carnal nature or your senses, control, look what it says, letting your sinful nature control your mind, which again here is your soul, it's your mind, it is your heart, it is your soul, it's your thoughts. Allowing your sinful nature to control your thoughts, your mind, look what it says. If you allow the sinful nature to control your mind, it will lead to death. If you live by the flesh, if you live by just the senses of carnality, you will die. This world is in opposition because of the curse of sin to the things of God. And we have to be renewed. Look what he says. So if you allow your sinful nature to control your mind, it leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind, letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So look at this next statement on your outline. Whoever wins the battle for your mind wins the war for your daily life. Whoever wins the battle for your mind, your thoughts, your mind, your will, your emotions, whoever wins the battle for your mind will win control over your daily life. And I want you to hear this next part of this statement here. You are rich or poor. You are healthy or unhealthy physically. You are joyful or depressed emotionally. You are relationally fulfilled or relationally dysfunctional. You are victorious or defeated by sin, and you are spiritual or carnal based on your thoughts. Based on your thoughts. See, if you're here today and you're struggling financially, you don't have a financial problem, you have a thought problem. If you're struggling relationally and you go from one bad relationship to another unhealthy relationship to another ungodly relationship, you're not struggling Relationally, you're struggling in your mind. It is your thoughts that are struggling and losing the battle. That's why the Bible over and over, and we're going to see those scriptures, says that we have to renew our minds. We have to change the way we think. Why? Because your relational problem, your physical problem, your spiritual problem is not an actual relational, spiritual, or physical problem. It is a mind problem. It is the way that you are thinking that is destroying your life. And in order to change your life, you have to change your thoughts. Now I want you to look with me at 3 John. What a great scripture here. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. The apostle John says this. He says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. The word prosper is really not a financial word in the Bible. The word prosper means to succeed in reaching your destination. 
So when you read the word prosper, typically it has nothing here in Scripture to do with money. It has everything to do with success in reaching your destination. God says this. Paul the Apostle John says, my prayer is that you would prosper, that you would succeed in all things. That in every area of your life, spiritually, physically, relationally, financially, that you would succeed in reaching the destination that God has for your life. And how many of you know that looks a little bit different for every person on the planet? God's path for me is not, not, not God's path for you. My God's specific plan for me is not God's specific plan for you. So the Apostle John said, my desire, my prayer, my petition to God for you is that you would prosper in all things and be in health. Because if you die early, you can't do what God called you to do. That you would prosper in all things and that you would be in health. That you'd be healthy physically. That you'd be healthy spiritually. That you'd be healthy relationally. That you'd be healthy financially. How many know we need health? Come on, somebody. We need health in every area of our lives. And so Paul, John says, my desire, my prayer is that you would prosper in all things and be in health. And look what he says. Just as your soul, your mind, your heart prospers. So what does the Apostle John do here? The Apostle John connects the prosperity of your life to the condition of your mind. As your mind prospers, as your thoughts prosper, what does it mean to succeed, to prosper in my mind? It means that I think the thoughts that God thinks. That I think about my life, my family, my finances, my purpose, my plan, my relationships. I think about the world and the government and the economy through the lens of Scripture. And that my thoughts are in agreement with God's thoughts about my life and our world. And so the Apostle John says, "You, I want you to prosper in life. As you prosper in your thinking. So I want you to look with me in Mark chapter 7. Because in Mark chapter 7, Jesus kind of does something. Jesus gives us a little insight into this war that is literally raging within us. And he really shows us the root of the problem. He's just going to affirm what I just said to you. If you have a money problem, you don't have a money problem. You've got a mind problem. If you have a spiritual problem, you really don't have a spiritual problem. You have a mind problem. The reason people are living in deception following all these other gods is because they have been distorted and deceived in their mind. What they think is messed up. And here's the good news. If you can remedy your thought, you can remedy every problem in your life you got to change the way you think. Listen to what Jesus said, Mark chapter 7. He gives us an insight. He said, it's not what goes into the body, into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart, your mind, your soul. Jesus said, it's what comes out of your mind. It's your thoughts that defile you. Look what he says. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he had just used. Don't you understand, he asked, can't you see that the food you put into your body can't defile you? Now, he's not talking about physically defile you. How many know if you eat enough of the wrong stuff, you'll die? I can testify to that. You eat enough of the wrong stuff, you will physically die. Jesus is not talking here about your physical body, so to speak. He's talking about your life as a whole. Look what he says. He says, can't you see the food you put in your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart. 
your mind. Food doesn't go into your mind, but it passes out through the stomach and then goes through the sewer. And by saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And we all, all, we all ought to say, praise God and thank you, Jesus, for that, right? Somebody say bacon. <laughs> Verse 20. And then he added, it's what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, here it is, out of a person's heart, out of a person's soul, out of a person's mind come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. And all these vile things come from within and they are what defile you they are what defile you see Jesus did something Jesus clarified that the battlefield is the battle for your heart your soul what we're gonna say your mind it's the battle for your mind and here's the good news if you can be defiled from within you can be victorious from within if you can be defeated from within, you can overcome with it from within. If you become a wicked person from within, you can become a righteous person from within. Because the battle is in your mind. We have to renew our minds. Now let me show you a picture. we got a picture of a book I want to put on the screen here this morning. It's a book by Dr. Carolyn Leaf. It's called Switch On Your Brain. Uh, you need to stop by the information and buy a really good book here this morning, right? You can do that. Shameless plug. Come on. Small faith. But I really want to encourage you to get this book. And let me tell you why. This book is kind of the inspiration for what we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks. Because what we're going to see, what Dr. Carolyn Leaf does, she is a neurologist. And, and she has brought together all kinds of different research from all kinds of different places. It's not just her research. It's the medical field as a whole. She's got studies from Harvard University, Harvard Medical School. How many know Harvard Medical School is no longer a Christian university? Harvard actually was a Bible college when it started, if you didn't know that. But it is now a very liberal, ungodly, anti-Christ organization that very much opposes the things of God. But in her book, she has studies from Harvard Medical School, from the American Medical Association, from many other neurologists and doctors, because here's what we're going to find out as we go through this study. Science and technology is finally catching up with the Word of God. <laughs> Science and technology is finally catching up with the Word of God, and the technological advancements that have happened in the last several years have allowed them to study the brain and study your body and study your life in a way that they never could before. And now they are seeing that God's Word is true. And what I love about Dr. Caroline Leaf is that she made this statement. She said that when I read something or see something in science that contradicts Scripture, she says, I know one thing to be true. This is what I know to be true. The science is now incomplete. If what I see in science contradicts Scripture, then I know that I have an inaccurate, incomplete picture of science. It's not that science is wrong. It's just that we have not yet discovered the fullness of that scientific fact because when we discover the fullness of that scientific fact, it will prove that what the Word of God says is true. And so I want to encourage you to get the book because she goes deep dive into the weeds. And any golfers in the house today? We got any golfers in the house? 
How many know when you're playing golf, number one goal, let's stay out of the weeds and out of the water. So I don't have time to go in the weeds and the water and take a deep dive into all the medical research so you can go buy a book. Come on, somebody. Because we're going to stay on the path because there's a hole in one with your name written on it. Come on, somebody. God wants you to sink this putt. God wants you to learn this lesson. God wants you to grab this truth. And God wants you to understand that the secret to your breakthrough is in your mind. So, let me blow your mind. Are you all ready? Look at that next point on your outline. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is eternal. Why? Because you're a spirit that has a soul. The soul, your soul, is a unique expression of who you are. It's your mind, will, and emotions. It's the unique expression of who you are. And I'm going to show you in Scripture in just a minute that your mind is eternal, but your brain, this, this glob of stuff between your ears, is temporal. And it can and it will die. So I want you to see this. Your mind is not your brain. Your mind is eternal. It's a part of your soul. But your brain is temporal. When your, your brain, listen to this, God made us fearfully and wonderfully made. Your brain is the control center for your body. Everything that happens in your flesh has to run through your brain. Everything. And when people become brain dead or they have brain damage, it affects their ability to function fully and completely with their body. It's not that their hand just don't work anymore. Their brain just don't tell their hand to work. Their muscles are good. Their nerves are good. Everything in their arm is good. But if your brain doesn't say lift it, guess what? It don't lift. So your brain is the control center of your body. Everything that you do flows through your brain. But your mind, listen to this, your mind is the control center of your brain. Your brain is natural. It is physical. Your soul is eternal. Now let me prove that to you. And I wrote down what the Holy Spirit said because I didn't want to mess it up. Can I get an amen from somebody? So let me prove to you that your brain, or not your brain, but your mind is eternal. I want you to write this scripture down, all you note takers. Luke chapter 16. I don't have time to read it to you today, but you ought to go home and read your Bible. Amen? Luke chapter 16. It's the story Jesus tells of the rich man and Lazarus. They both die. Though Lazarus is carried in the presence of God, the rich man descends to hell. And in hell, you know what the rich man does? Number one, the rich man knows who he is. The rich man knows where he's at. The rich man feels pain. The rich man feels thirst. The rich man desires to have his thirst quenched. The rich man is aware of the fact that he has brothers still on planet earth that haven't died yet that do not know the Lord. And if they were to die, they too are going to come to that place. And they, the rich man says, please send Lazarus to tell my brothers so that they don't come to this horrible place. Guess what? He had his mind. Why? Because your soul, your mind is eternal. Because you are a spirit with a soul, and you live in a body. Your soul is eternal because it's a part of your spirit. And what we're going to understand is that my mind, which is my soul, which is eternal, controls my brain, which is physical, in my, in my head. And we're going to see some amazing truths about this. 
Now, one day, I've done alluded to it. One day, the Bible says we're going to get a glorified body. And you know what's going to be amazing about that glorified body? I never thought about this until I was working through this study and studying the scriptures. The Lord said this. He said, Keith, think about it for just a minute. He said, for the first time in your life, when you have your glorified body, he said, your spirit, your soul, and your body will be in unison. See, right now, your body, your flesh, according to the Apostle Paul, is at war against the spirit. And there's a constant battle that rages, right? Right? From your carnal senses and your carnal nature, this fleshly body, there's a constant battle that rages between flesh and spirit. But when we get our glorified bodies, we're going to be in perfect unison. And heaven's going to be heaven. One of the reasons why, not only because Jesus is there and God is there and it's eternal and it's beautiful, but it'll be without sin. And we'll have glorified bodies to live this perfect life that God has, no longer hindered. By the limitations of our flesh. If we really understood that, we'd probably say, Lord, take me home now. Because it's going to be an amazing, amazing thing. Now, unfortunately, right now, while you're on planet Earth, your body and your brain are carnal, temporal, and defiled by sin. I don't know if you realize this, but from the time you were born, you began to die. And I'm stronger and healthier now than I've ever been, probably at least in the last 20 or 30 years of my life. But guess what? My body's still decaying, and I am still in a mortal body right now that is dying. Have you ever seen somebody in perfect health die? It's kind of shocking when it happens, right? We always assume everybody ought to get sick before they die. I've actually done some funerals of people that were a picture of health, and one day they just had a heart attack and they were dead. You know why? Because right now you live in a body that will die. But here's some good news. Here's some good news. You can renew your mind, your soul. You can renew your mind, and you can change your brain. Therefore, once you change your brain, you can change how you live in your body. And you can begin to live your life at the highest level that God has purposed and planned for you. Proverbs chapter 4 says it like this, or excuse me, let's look at that next point, then we'll read Proverbs 4. Your brain is ruled by your mind. Your thoughts, choices, and feelings create neurological pathways in your brain that create your habits and your health. Your thoughts, your mind rules your brain. Your mind rules your brain. Your brain doesn't control your thoughts. Your thoughts control your brain. Science has now proved this. Again, get the book. I don't have time for a deep dive. Get the book. Read the book. She gives you all the medical proof of technology that has now showed us that the brain is not the originator of thoughts. Thoughts rule the brain. Brain doesn't create the thoughts. But what our thoughts do is they create neurological pathways, electrical pulses in our brain that become default modes. These pathways are kind of like highways that get formed in our brain that when they are triggered by stress and outside stimuli, we revert to a default mode reaction that many times when it's all over with, we wonder why in the world did I even do that? You ever done something and walked away five minutes later and thought, why did I respond that way? Why did I act that way? Why did I do that again? 
Well, we're going to learn why. And the reason why is because your thoughts have created a neurological pathway in your brain that is creating what we call habits. And not only your habits, but your physical health in your body. So let me talk to you about this again. I'm going to read to you some things the Holy Spirit said. So your dominant thoughts literally create highways in your brain. And the more dominant and consistent the thought is, the more entrenched that neurological pathway becomes, which means your brain creates those default or habit pathways. Now, let me give you an example of this. Let's take the example that maybe you have believed the lie, right? You've believed the lie that you don't fit in or that you just don't belong. Let's just imagine that you believe that lie. And we all know if you've been through an encounter and you've heard our ungodly belief teaching which lines up exactly with what we're talking about today, you understand that most of our ungodly beliefs come from negative experiences. And somewhere along the way, you were rejected, you were betrayed, and you were hurt. And the devil whispered in your mind, you just don't belong and you don't fit in. I can't tell you how many people I talk to that literally think that way about themselves. Pastor Keith, I just don't feel like I fit in at church. I don't feel like I fit in in my own family. I don't feel like I fit in on my job. I just feel like I'm just this unique individual that doesn't fit anywhere. And I never feel comfortable. And I'm always on the outside. And they live their lives in isolation, separation, and depression. Because you were created to connect with other people. But let's just imagine that you believed that lie and that became a dominant thought in your mind that I just don't belong and I don't fit in. And I just don't belong and I don't fit in. Well, guess what will happen after you've believed that thought? And we're going to talk about how habits are formed and how we replace them and renew our mind over the next couple of weeks. All of a sudden, you have this neurological pathway that's the default mode of your life. So then think about this. So then every time you feel uncomfortable in a crowd, Every time you feel stressed among a group of people, every time you feel awkward in an environment, that stress, uncomfortability, that awkwardness triggers a neurological response to a default mode that you have created because you had a consistent thought, a consistent thought, that made a highway in your brain, and all of a sudden, when you feel stressed, anxious, and uncomfortable, you make a decision, and you withdraw, and you pull back, and you separate from the people that you love and from the people that love you. And when it's all said and done, you end up kicking yourself, saying, why did I do that again? I want friends. I want to belong. I want to be a part. Why do I keep finding myself isolated and alone and depressed? Because you have allowed toxic thinking to create a neurological pathway that has poisoned your body. And now you respond subconsciously to an external trigger and it makes you do something that moments later you wish you hadn't have done. So let me ask everybody a question today. What do you do when you're stressed? I want you to just ask yourself that question. I want you to answer that question right now. What do you do when you get stressed? I understand there's a lot of different kinds of stress. 
There's a lot of environments through which stress comes, and many times different stresses create different triggers which revert us to different pathways in our brain. But as a general rule, what do you do when you get stressed? Let me tell you what I do when I get stressed. I eat things I'm not supposed to eat. When I get stressed out, I don't just go get the one cookie, I eat the whole box of cookies. <laughs> and that's what I do. And the moment I get done doing that thing, I regret it. I kick myself and say, why did you do that? It's going to cost you five miles on the treadmill tomorrow. <laughs> so what do you do when you're stressed? I turn to food. Some people turn to alcohol. Right? Well, I just, I just need something to soothe my nerves because I'm just overwhelmed. No, what you need to do is change the way you think. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to sex. Some people turn to credit card spending. I'm going to go buy something. I'm going to go buy something because if I get something, I'll feel better about myself. Some people... Some people pitch a fit and go into a rage and they start screaming and yelling and here's why they do that. They don't even know why they do it. Here's why they do it. Because when they feel out of control, they know that through an outburst of anger, instead of them having to draw back and withdraw, everybody else will pull away. And now they just regain control of their life. What do you do when you're stressed? Now let me ask you the second question. Have you ever responded out of stress and five minutes later regretted you did it and wished that you could have do it over? Let me give you some good news today. There's hope. You unfortunately, like me, have some toxic thinking in your mind that has literally shaped your brain to create default modes in your life that subconsciously sabotage your success or your ability to prosper in the thing God has called you to prosper in. And the victory is not the food, the alcohol, or the anger. The victory is that I have to change the way I think. Y'all with me? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, the Bible tells us this. It says, guard your heart. Again, not your blood pumping organ. Guard your heart. Guard your mind above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Proverbs 27, or 23, verse 7 says, for as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Joyce Myers has an awesome quote. I love it. She says, where the mind goes, the man follows. Where the mind goes, the man follows. So let's talk not just about our habits. Let's talk for just a minute about our health. The American Institute of Health released this study. They said that they estimate that, listen to this, 75 to 90 percent 75 to 90 percent, that means seven out of nine people, seven to nine people out of every 10 people that go to their primary doctor. That means that seven to 90 percent of all doctor visits, listen to this, are for stress related problems. 
They have physical problems that are rooted in stress. And this is how they describe stress. Here's the symptoms of stress according to the American Institute of Health. Stress includes anxiety, nervousness, fearfulness, apprehension, impatience, fear, tenseness, and restlessness. How many of you know that all of those things are directly connected to your thought life? 75 to 90% of the physical problems that we have are the direct result of stress. Level one stress, they call it in the medical field, is healthy. That means if you see a bear come out of the woods, you run and save your life. Come on, somebody. <laughs> level two and level three literally begins to poison your body, and it creates an a unlimited, literally an unlimited cause of sickness and disease. It is so overwhelming that it's mind-boggling how many physical infirmities are directly related to stress which are directly related to our thoughts. Look at that next point. Your thoughts literally change the shape of your brain. Science now sees that the, electro, the, uh, the electronic neurons and pathways in your brain literally are reshaped by your thought life. Your thoughts literally change the shape of your brain, and they determine how your DNA is expressed. This is called epigenetic modification. And I thought, that's probably the smartest word I've said in 29 years of preaching. <laughs> epigenetic modification. I'm not going to dive into those thoughts today, but I wanted to drop them. We're going to look at a video next week, and we're going to dissect a little bit about this epigenetic modification, which simply means this. My thoughts not only change the shape of my brain, reroute the neurological pathways, but my thought life actually doesn't change my DNA, but it changes whether my DNA is activated or inactivated. It changes how it responds in my life. And that's where the Bible teaches us of generational sin that the sins of the fathers and the children are visited to their children to the third and the fourth generation. Why? Because literally that, that DNA code is passed on to your children and your children's children and your children's children. So we got a reason to renew our minds. Amen? And I said all that just to make you understand something, to make you understand how fearfully and wonderfully you are made and that God has shaped us for success, that we might prosper in all things and be in health. Amen? Look at that last point. In order to win the battle within, we have to renew our minds. We have to strategically Change the way we think. I love Romans 12 too. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Metamorphosis is the Greek word. It's the word we get metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The word prove means to not only to prove, but to know and to experience. God says this, I want you to experience my good and perfect and acceptable will. How many know God's will for your life is good and perfect and acceptable? It's not boring. It's not miserable. It's not, it's not painful. It is good good, perfect, and acceptable. And God wants you to experience the perfect plan of His will for your life. How do you do that? By changing the way you think. 
And that's what has to happen in our lives. So over the next few weeks, we're going to just take a deep dive into this. We're going to talk about how can we renew our minds, our minds, how we can rewire our brains, and how we can change our lives by simply embracing the truth of Scripture and recognizing that science and Scripture work together to step us into the life that God really created us to live. Amen? Let's bow our heads today. Two things I do every Sunday, and I want to do it again today, and that is simply this. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you're watching online, and you know that Jesus is Lord of your life, I want to ask you to do something this week. I'm going to give you some homework. I want to ask you to begin to write down and identify the toxic thoughts that are in your life. What are the things, what are the thoughts that you're thinking that you know right now, already you know it, that are contradictory to the Word of God? Because any thought that you think that opposes the Word of God will bring death and not life. I want to challenge you to write down those thoughts. Go ahead this week as those things come up and you recognize them. The Holy Spirit, I'm asking Him to reveal those toxic thoughts to us. And I want you to write them down. And then as you begin to write them down, I want you to begin to go to the Scripture and say, God, give me a word. Help me find a word in your, in your book, the promises of God that bring truth to this life. So if you're a believer, that's your homework. That's your challenge. Identify and begin to renew and replace those toxic thoughts with godly beliefs that will change your life. And we're going to dive deep into these things next week. Give you some very practical tools. Second thing I want to do, and we do this every Sunday at Liberty, is maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online and you realize, Pastor Keith, I'm not saved. I've never been born again. Jesus Christ is not the Lord of my life. I'm a good person. Maybe you're a church-going person. But you realize you've never been born again. And you are an eternal spirit. And you have a soul. And one day you're going to live forever somewhere. The only thing that separates you from heaven and hell is your faith in Jesus. And being willing to not only trust in, but submit and surrender your life to His Lordship. And if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Keith, I've never done that. But today, I know in my heart, the Holy Spirit's dealing with me. That's conviction that you're feeling right now. That, that stirring in your heart, that desire that says, I need what he's talking about. That's not me. That's not good preaching. That's not the right song playing in the background. That's the Spirit of God drawing you to himself. And if you're here today, you say, today, Pastor Keith, I want to be born again. I want you just to raise your hand in this room and online. If you're online, just hit that hand emoji. If you're in this room, just slip your hand up right now. Just slip your hand up. I want to pray with you this morning. I love you. God sent me here today because he loves you. Liberty Church exists because there's a God in heaven who loves and cares about you. And if you'll hit that hand emoji or just type in that chat box, I'm raising my hand. If you're here in the room today, just slip your hand up. Hold it high. Today I want to be born again. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Our ushers, we're going to come. We'd love to just slip a packet in your hand. If you're watching online, we want to drop you something in the mail, email you something. Because we want to help you. We want to help you take that next step. So right now, this is your moment. We're about to pray together. If you want to pray, just raise your hand right now. Pastor Keith, I want to accept Christ. I want to accept Christ. Let's pray this together out loud. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. 
be my Lord and my Savior. I receive you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome to the family. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today.